You are tuned in to Earth Tones with Allison. I had a great time interviewing the talented New Jersey-based instrumental heavy rock seven-string guitarist Steve Bellow. Steve is an international guitar player, songwriter with eight albums, and has been playing for over 40 years. He's been featured in Guitar Player Magazine and has been opening up for the likes of Lita Ford and others. He has a brand new album out called Mood Swings that you should definitely check out. The links are below in the show notes. He also has a great show coming up, a benefit for his great friend Irene at Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey on Friday, March 4th at 7 p.m. Joining him will be the powerhouse rhythm section of Attacker, as well as other great bands on the bill. Steve and I have been friends for on social media for 10 years, so it's really awesome to meet each other. In our conversation, we talk about Steve's music, his background, and his inspiration in his friends, family, and fellow musicians. Hello, hello. Hey. Hey. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's so nice to meet you. Yes, finally, finally. (laughs) Yes, thanks. Thanks for being on the show. (laughs) It's wonderful to meet you. Um, I'm sitting here with the super talented New Jersey-based heavy rock seven-string guitarist Steve Bellow. (laughs) He has eight albums out as a leader and several gear endorsements, such as Ibanez Guitars and Orange Amplifiers, and was featured in the December 2015 issue of Guitar Player Magazine. Well, welcome, Steve. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you got interested in music and guitar. Like, do you come from a musical family? My grandfather was a jazz guitarist way, way back. He came from a family of seven, and I think outside of one brother, Everybody either sang or played an instrument. Uh, when yes. it was my turn to pick up the mantle, so to speak, pick up the torch, I, I really wasn't that interested. You know, I loved listening to music. You know, I, I love listening to records. Uh, I was more into my video games and riding my bike, as any kid would be. And, and I fiddled around on the guitar when I was nine, and I really didn't take to it right away. And... And then I saw footage of Jimi Hendrix at Monterey when I was 12. He was dead for, what, 12 years at that point. And I saw, you know, it wasn't so much his playing. It was his showmanship and just how he had the audience in the palm of his hands. I'm like, I think I could do that. That's that's what really got me fired up. Like, I got to play guitar now. So. Oh, yeah. I love Hendrix. And I love trio stuff. Like, do you do a lot of trio stuff? Uh, with my band, Yes uh in the past past bands i played in i was either in a quartet a five piece uh a cover band i was in a few years ago we were seven uh the cover band i'm helping out now we're, we're six piece depends you know if the other guitars can't make it then we're down to a five but i've always loved trios you know starting with you know i mean i got into rush before i got into hendrix but even at that time i really wasn't learning guitar i was just like ah you know Rush are pretty awesome, you know, and but I just had no desire to learn the guitar again until Hendrix. But because of bands like Rush, Hendrix, Cream, The Police, I, I, I was like, I love the idea of three people sounding like 10. It just was so appealing to me. And 
I would be in bands and I'm like, well, you know, I love Deep Purple. I always was in bands with keyboardists. So I thought, well, this is cool. I'm a Deep Purple fan. But at the same time, I'm like, I just like a trio, you know, and, and I just like that there's space on stage and there's space in the music and nobody can hide. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It, I think sometimes it opens up your creativity. It's a little scary at first, but but it can open you up because you can go anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, a well, more easily. Yeah, what was interesting was, you know, again, past bands I was in, you know, it was a quartet or whatever. Even with four-piece bands where it was just the singer, if he didn't play an instrument, you know, it was kind of like Zeppelin. It was kind of like The Who, where it was a power trio with vocals, they would call it. And I still thought, you know, I know the whole attitude in the 80s and the 90s was you need a singer, you need a front man. He doesn't have to sound like Freddie Mercury as long as he gets his point across. And people pretend they identify with him or her, let's be fair. And that was my MO for years. Like, okay, I need to be in a band with a singer. And, you know, I guess I'll just jump to many years later when Ibanez endorsed, gave me an endorsement. And they said, will you do clinics for us? And I said, I would love to. And they said, do you have any CDs for sale? And I said, I guess I have to now. And I made my first instrumental CD in 2003. And I thought, okay, this is different. I'd made instrumental demos in the past to try to find a big band. I would always oh. think, okay, I hope Ozzy or Dio hears my guitar playing, you know, and that never happened. So I guess, I'm not that I guess, I'm pretty confident that my instrumental career was quite by accident. So it just seemed to work. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely hear uh, Rush influence and Hendrix in your music. For sure. I love that new tune um, that we're going to talk about on the new album on Mood Swings. Um, timeless Man, the Timeless yes, Man. Yes. I could hear some Rush influence in that. And I, I think your your tunes are awesome. And you. you do Thank such you. a great job of not missing the vocalist. I think your guitar <laughs> playing, you know, you come up with these awesome melodies that like got great intervals and like they're kind of angular and interesting. And I love all the grooves like as a bass player, like, I can definitely like imagine seeing you live would be really fun, because the audience can sit there and just groove for a while. And then you go into these melodies, several of them. Well, I, I wish I had David Lee Roth kind of stage presence because that's what people, they want to show, they want to be entertained. I get that. But I, uh, I, I it, like Aerosmith saying, let the music do the talking. If I could sing, I'd have a career. Let's, let's be blunt, you know. But the guitar is the singing, does the singing. And uh, the yeah. first few live shows I did as Steve Bellow were rough. But I had a lot of fun and it was scary, but it was a good scary. And I, I humbly compare myself to Rush in one regard that to be a trio, you know, and, and just go for it, you know, because people love symmetry. They want to see four people on stage. They'll deal with five people, but three just throws people off for some reason. But I love it. And same as as I've progressed over the years as a, I guess, a performer, for lack of a better term, I, I use that term very loosely. Um, I, again, I want the music to really personify, or I personify with the music, however you want to look at it, 
I, I, I'm definitely not boring on stage, but again, you're not going to see me do backflips. You know, I, I'm just not a crazy entertainer. I mean, when when I, I've seen Steve Vai play a handful of times and he really knows how to get a crowd going, I'm like, okay, I can't do what he does, but I could do what Joe Satriani does where he's just really chill. And he's just like, hey, man, it's a beautiful night. I'm going to play a song off my new record and check out this pick. It's really weird. And I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a strange cat, you know, and like you said, I write angular melodies, which is very true. And it's a great compliment. I know what I do around here is different. You know, if if everybody listened to Joe Satriani religiously, I'd be pretty ordinary. So I think because not everybody hears his music or Living Color is one of my all time favorite bands. Love that people will, that people will see me play and i don't mean to toot my own horn but i love hearing i don't know who you sound like and i i say it i i think with quiet pride well if you listen to my influences you would get it yes but don't listen to my influences <laughs> <laughs> keep listening to bon jovi please please keep listening to food fighters don't listen to living color don't listen to hendrix pretend that you, i came from another planet please <laughs> I definitely, that. yeah, I definitely hear lots of lots of different influences, but at the same time, your own voice and yes. and so so many songs. I mean, you've always probably identified with being a writer as as much as being a guitar player. Uh, the writing, hmm, that's a great. No one's ever really talked about that that much with me. I guess uh, I wrote my first quote unquote song when I was thirteen. And it was basically a ripoff of the outro of Fools by Van Halen. Mm -hmm. It was at the sending. And I thought I was so badass. I was like, I wrote a song. It stunk, but I wrote a song. And I think it was Frank Sinatra that said it takes you 300 songs to get it right. Something like that. I, I, I look at my writing. I just write what feels good. And it's hard for some musicians that hear it I, I, again i don't want to sound like i'm bragging here i really don't mean to come across like that but i've heard a lot of musicians say i don't get what you're doing man i don't get what you're doing and i'm like just listen to it right they're not listening I, no yeah. because everybody I, I shouldn't generalize a lot of people think very commercial minded and there's nothing wrong with that i mean you need palatable music and i'm not putting down certain bands like what i mentioned food fighters i'm not putting them down but i'm saying they fill a void they fill a niche in people's lives they're the songs are easy enough to listen to i think dave Grohl is very talented i think he's a fantastic drummer but he writes these songs that let's be really honest that soccer moms and soccer dads can go hey man this rocks and sure they're not going to listen to rush and do the dishes they're going to sit there and go what the hell am i listening to right this is this is deep stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I can really get esoteric and say King Crimson. You know, I, I, I want somebody that takes their kid to baseball to listen to Lark's Tongue just one day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think there's Frame, something but... in there for, for everybody. Yeah. But you're right that 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 like bands like the Foo Fighters ap appeal to the mass amount of yeah. people. And you're you're you not going to reach. You do need that. You need both. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, I've. I've had some family members say to me, why does everything have to be so crazy and technical? Why can't things be mundane or mediocre? And I thought, well, that doesn't work for me. I mean, 
I, I've had musicians in the past say, you know, if you wrote a song like Nickelback, I'm like, you know what, I'll get you Chad Groger's number because I don't do that. I could, right. you know, if I really, I, I think I'd have to force myself to write something that commercial. It's just not in me. We can't but, do everything or we don't no. want to do everything, you know? No, no. I just write what feels good. Like I said before, I just, if it, if, if it resonates inside of me and it doesn't let me go, if it grabs me by the throat, you were recording this darn tune. I'm like, all right, I'm recording. <laughs> so definitely. And I also think that's awesome how you like stay connected to your creative path because society doesn't always allow us as musicians and artists to kind of no. feel comfortable. So, so how, what advice would you give to guitarists today to stay connected? to their as, their voice as far as their voice uh well it's very easy to be influenced by what's out there it's very easy to say okay what are the what are the common people listening to if i write like that i can make my millions i can have my mansion my yacht yeah, that's all very appealing but would, would would i personally be happy yeah i'd like to live in a mansion <laughs> We all would, but but I wanted to be where somebody goes. Man, Steve lives in a mansion writing really strange music. <laughs> but I, the advice I would I, I tell my students this. I'll, I'll put it this way: I tell them you're going to have to learn the same notes as everybody else. You're going to have to learn the same whole notes, half notes. You're going to have to learn the same basic things in music. There's no getting around it. After a while, you're going to have to shed your skin and say what can i say on my instrument whether it's guitar i teach bass uh you know whether you're a singer it's very easy to imitate we've all done it i mean my god you know i i wore steve vai's boots for how many years you know that's it was natural because you want to be accepted you want somebody to say dude you sound just like the record you sound just like eddie van halen after a while it kind of gets boring I kind of think, what, what can I say? And I think with the first album that I did, I really had to prove myself, like, what can I say? What can I do? And the drummer, Darren, that played on that record, I asked him at lunch, I said, what do I do? He says, everything. I went, that's it? And he said, just do everything, man. <laughs> he says, write metal, write jazz, write funk, write reggae, write everything. I hear jazz chords in your yeah, playing, too. Yeah, I studied jazz in college, you know, but uh, but that was the best piece of advice I ever heard. It was just write everything instead of, well, I got to sound like Motley Crue. <laughs> I got to sound like Guns N' Roses. And that's really so, that's really good advice. Oh, it was. And it you really can do, because it was good for you because you could do that. Not everybody yeah. could do that, you know, yeah. so that shows that you like have a wide like you love all kinds of music. You could you could play acoustic and strum a, a folk song, but but it's more about. Well, I think music is also about your lifestyle. It's like being connected yeah. to who you are as a person and wanting yeah. to stick with it for so like for like how long have you been playing guitar? Uh, I have to admit that uh, 43 years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah and that's that's a lot of it is just like loving it enough that you know it doesn't matter if you know like i don't get it when people kind of quit because they um you know don't have the yacht or the the mansion or the you know it's like what like it's almost like dedicating yourself to something you know is more important well 
back in 2019, I walked away from a lot of it. I, I knew I wanted to still write music. I got tired of performing. I got tired of all that. And of course, I did what every musician did. I, I put the post on Facebook. I'm no longer performing. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. <laughs> and um, of course, I have to eat my words, as we all do, because let's face it, this mm -hmm. is a very limelight industry. We all have egos. I was talking with one of my cousins about this, and she said, you're going to get back out there. I know it. And I said, nah. And we went to see some local bands play. And I'm just sitting there, long story short, I said, you know what? I feel like I was doing it right, and no one cared, and all these other bands are doing it wrong. And she said, these guys only have one goal. I want to be famous. She says, you have, I don't think of the exact word she used, you have a passion, you have a path, and you stuck to that path, and nobody understood that. Your music just is such a great combination of everything. I, I love it. So awesome. Yeah. A lot of stuff like at home or are you getting together with your band? With well, your drummer? I started writing songs after I did my album Marblehead in 2018. And the first song I wrote, which became Never Be the Same, I wrote that in 20, like late 2018. It's a great time. And 2019, like I said, I did some shows, I walked away. And I, I was writing a little bit, you know, I had some stuff. I never forced it. 2020, before the lockdowns, I went to NAMM. And that re-energized me because I felt like a pretend guitar god for four days. It was really awesome. And I came back to Jersey. I went, okay, I'm going to do a new album. I'm going to hire some guys. And then, <laughs> okay, Life I guess happens. I'm not doing that. So around September of 2020, when things slowly started to reemerge, I got in touch with a bass player who said, I know this drummer. We got together and great musicians, but... I just knew it wasn't going to work. And I thought, okay, let me give it one more try before I really think, okay, am I thinking the wrong thing? It just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. So Mike Sabatini, who wound up playing drums on this album, was only supposed to engineer because he has his own studio in Jersey City called Bandmother Recording. And he sensed I was really miserable. I was just like, oh, these guys just aren't working out. You know, and I, I just remember... That the winter of 2021, I was a wreck. You know, my car died. Everything was falling apart. And Mike just said, Steve, send me the songs. I recorded rough demos at home on my little Tascam digital recorder, you know, real high tech, just to get riffs out. I sent him the riffs and he says, All right, give me a few weeks. Let's get together at my studio. And we just pounded the songs out between February and May. Wow. And we thought we had a bass player. He just, he wasn't available. So my friend, Kathy, you know, she says, I'll let you borrow my five string bass. So I was like, okay. I used that on the album and I wrote her and I said, I'm going to give you your bass back. She goes, no, you can keep it. I was like, what? That, that's another story. Ooh. So Mike did all the drums. He did the engineering. Uh, he, he and I, along with John Hanneman, we did the producing. 
And before I know it, next thing I know, I had a new album together in under a month. I was like, holy crap, I have a new album. Amazing. And I got a master to Joe Lambert mastering. Now he moved to Westchester, but he was in Jersey City. I released Never Be the Same as the first single in July last year with a really funky video. And that got people going, oh, my God, you're back. Stay okay. that way. And I, I, I sold out my first batch of CDs like, like that under a month. That's awesome. Crazy. I love crazy. that. Yeah. So it's even with the story. streaming and everything, like, you know, you were able, like, because, you know, your stuff, you can stream it too, but you're yeah. selling, selling, um, like, is it vinyl or is it? Uh, I wish. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to press cool. vinyl, but it's not cheap. Right. Holy crap. Oh, it's yeah. not cheap. I, I pressed 100 CDs to start, all sold out. Wow. I, I pressed the second 100. I'm looking at the box now. I think I have about maybe 30 copies left. Understandably, there was an initial spark and then it died down. It's up and down. Whenever I announce like I'm doing an interview, you know, I did an interview for Guitar Girl magazine and that got some people going, wait a minute, that's really cool. And they bought CDs. And nice. Yes. Yeah, so I, I it's, you know, here we are. We're February 25th will be I'm doing my math in my head. Five months since the album came out or six, six months. August came out. Wow, it's new. And yeah. and and Steve, it's recorded so incredibly beautifully. Like I, yes. I just streamed it on Spotify and the quality is just like high level yeah. and the playing and, and, and you're playing bass. And are you now are you playing like an Ibanez bass or, or no, yeah. you're playing the five string that you was your friends. Yeah, Ibanez uh, si okay. sound gear. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, Mike did a hell of a job engineering. I mean, he really really is into fine tuning and when he played me never be the same i was on his little iphone and it was outside it was in the summer last year and i thought oh my god i could actually hear the bass through this little speaker yeah i hear every detail he says that means it's going to sound even better on a real speaker wow because a lot of guys they mix on the big consoles and when you listen on little earbuds it sounds like a fly. It's like a fly buzzing by your head. There's no tone. He really made sure that wherever you listen to it on, it's just going to sound killer. And he did a fantastic job. Have you worked with him for a while or is he? When... Since February. I've known oh. him for 10 years. Okay. So this is you your know, first project together. Yes. And I oh. didn't expect it because uh, he's got his own band. And it came together so quickly. What band yeah. is what band? What's his band? Attacker. It's a, a okay. metal band. They're That's right. I read Jersey. that somewhere. And uh, yeah, the, when the when uh, what's that what's that adage? You know, when the student is ready, the teacher will make himself known. Yeah. That's how I hear with the music. I had these demos, mm. but they were waiting for the right people, and it, I, I didn't think it was going to be Mike because he's so busy and when he was just like some of the songs i was like are you sure and he's just like yeah you need to get this out and damn he did now did you <laughs> did you start writing from this for this album since 2018 or some yes. of these songs okay uh, never Very be the fresh. same was a had a different title and a slightly different arrangement from 2018 timeless man since you mentioned that that title came before the music the title came from i went in 2018 
I went to my 30 year high school reunion. So I look good for 30. Nice. And my buddy, Joe Rossinello, he took one look at me. He goes, Steve, do you ever age? And I said, what does that mean? And he says, you're like the timeless man. You <laughs> don't age. He says, your hair's gotten longer, but you look exactly the same. So I wrote that down on a napkin, timeless man. And I thought, that's a great, that's a very Satriani-ish kind of title. And when we lost Neil Peart in 2020, some of this music came to me, and I admit very openly, it was one of the few times where I said, I've got to write a song like somebody. Mm. And I said, I've got to write a song like Rush. Mm. And that's that. <laughs> I'm a huge Rush fan. I, we saw them. We took our kids. That was like their big rock concert to the R40 uh, tour. Oh, wow. It was really awesome. They were, I, I they were fantastic. Them, I saw them twice in 92 and 2004. Uh, still, my, still the best live band to me. Oh my goodness. Still the best live band. But yeah, that was when I write songs, I don't sit down and go, I better write a song like Zeppelin in 11 8. But oh, the yeah. Timeless Man. Yeah, but Timeless Man, I was like, it sounds like you though. Song. Yeah, it very does. like, well, you know what? It's very, it's, it's very, like rush in that it sounds very natural the way you went into i yeah. know there's an odd times section in there and if and you flowed into it so nicely i also read somewhere that um you've jammed with some pretty awesome musicians and um you it says that you jammed with nick west and she's oh. amazing oh, oh, oh. oh well that was you played with like prince and yeah a lot yeah. of great people yeah how did I, that I met her yeah well i i won't say the name of the string company but i worked for a guitar string company for a few years and i saw an ad in bass player magazine because our boss said look through magazines find artists and i saw this very beautiful woman hold at the time she had a fender uh steve bailey i think it was a signature fender six string bass it was an ad for SWR, and the name of the amp was Black Beauty. And she had an album called Black Beauty. So now I'm kind of giving it away. The name of the strings were called Black Beauties. So I wrote her through MySpace, if you remember MySpace. Of course. <laughs> and I said, I know you don't know me, but I'm a rep for this string company. I would love to send you a, a complimentary six-string black string set. And she said, well, that's nice of you. I'll try them and see what I think. As soon as she got them, she slapped them on her base. She took a photo, put it on her socials. And nice. she said, my buddy, Steve Bellow sent me these. And all of a sudden we just had this friendship. And she actually, she, I think she lives in Arizona. She moved to Manhattan briefly and she visited me for lunch. And then she got the call from Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics. She had to move back <laughs> and her, it's like, her life just took off from there and, and she, she, she auditioned for Prince. She played with, I think John Mayer. Uh, I know she did something with Steven Tyler. She was on Glee. Uh, she's been all over the map. She's fantastic. And she did a show in, in, I think it was in Brooklyn. I think was the club. It was a place called club Bonafide. Hmm. So I was like, I'd love to jam with you. Okay. Do you know back in black by ACDC? Yeah. So I'm on stage with her band. And we're cranking this tune and the crowd is loving it. She whispers in my ear, do you know Kiss by Prince? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, we just went right into that song. No rehearsal. Great we all tune. trusted each other, like just play it.
and Lita yeah, yeah. Ford. Well, I and only opened for her. <laughs> wow, that's super cool. Well, it was very cool. cool. You know, I mean, I was definitely a fish out of water because everybody wanted to hear 80s hair metal. And here I come. I look like I dropped from a, a, another planet. And people in the crowd are like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I, somehow I won the crowd over. But <laughs> I came across some clips from a gig of yours in 2019 that's up on YouTube at the uh, Wonder Bar. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, that. I mean, you were ripping it up and your audience just like felt looked so connected. You know, they just seemed really into it. And I... I I, that's why I love uh, shows like that. I don't get to them too often or play them too often, but like the people, it's like it's like they're living the experience with you. You know, the people who really yeah. understand the music and uh, yeah. Well, I think the best way I could put it is music is about connecting. And I always said that it took eight albums to get it right because I think people really connected with the album because of the album title, even the album cover. People just felt this. I, I, my friend Vicky, she's a DJ. She said, I think the title connected with people because of what's going on in the world. And that was not planned like that. That's another story. But I asked one of my guitar students, what makes a great guitar player? And he just sat there. Well, if he plays, you know, like really fast, you know, if he has really cool, this very valid answers, you know, he's 17 years old. And I said, I'm going to tell you the answer. And you don't have to agree with me, I said. And, and you, Allison, you don't have to agree with me either. It's okay. You're a great musician if people can identify you with somebody they already like. Mm. So, you know, I, 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 I think Joe Bonamassa is a fantastic guitar player. But he's a, you know, but he totally reminds me of Eric Johnston. Right. Whereas, I know, like that. I, heard, I like that definition. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, and when I when I heard Alan Holsworth for the very first time a hundred years ago, I'm like, he doesn't sound like anybody. And I loved it. And you know, Eddie Van Halen was talking about him and Steve Vai and all these cats. You know, Alan Holdsworth, Alan Holdsworth. And I'm listening, I'm 15 years old. I I admit I didn't get it right away, but I said, like, I want to get this. And the more I studied what he did, I mean, nobody could play like Alan Holdsworth, of course, but that's when it hit me to be a great musician. You have to remind somebody of somebody else. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Because like, even when you meet people, they go, oh, you remind me of my my friend in, from New York, or it's familiar, yeah. or it's a language, you know, it's a connection. Exactly. exactly. So what's coming up for you? You've got some gigs coming up? Uh, my, my trio will be playing at Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey, Friday, March 4th. Uh, it's a benefit concert for my friend Irene, and uh, we've been friends for a few years. And she's somebody that's just very supportive of the local scene, and she's had a ton of gigs. And she was diagnosed with stage 1B uh, endometrial cancer. So our, our friend Michelle, who was one of the promoters and bartenders at Thingbats, she made a Facebook post saying, I convinced Irene to do a benefit show to help pay for medical expenses. I wasn't going to take no for an answer. So, of course, I can imagine all of New Jersey, New York, you know, I'm Love sure it. people started bands just to say, I want to play this show. Mm. But I wrote her privately. I said, I'm going to ask my guys if they're available. And she said, well, I'm already saving a spot for you. Just give me the word. And I was like, oh, wow. Man. Okay. 
So I asked Mike and the bass player, Brian Smith, he also plays an attacker. And they said, yeah, we've been rehearsing for months. Why not? And nice. that's it. Nice. So I'm on the bill with uh, three other bands. There's a band called Rahway. There's another band called No Standards. And they just added another band, Brand of Jewels, to the lineup. So it's four bands. Uh, they're asking for a $20 minimum donation at the door. And I, I know it's going to be a great time. Sounds because like a I great really show. Awesome. I'm glad to be back out on stage. I'm glad to be promoting my new album. But this show is for Irene. And I, I want to play the best show I could possibly play. But I'm not going to make it all about me. I'm not going to make it like, you know, it's just going to be, we're all conduits yes. for Irene. We're, we're I love here that. for her. Yeah. It's truth. Yeah. You know, we're here for her. And that's really it. You know, that's magical. Uh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that, that energy is, is what's needed in music and, yeah. and a lot of life. I mean, this, that's why we I, really I do to, it anyway. Yeah. Is for mean, that connection with the people. It's not to I, be famous and rich. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, we're so I lucky. Even, I feel like we have the best job in the world. Yeah. When this opportunity came up, I was just like, I've got to do this show. I've got to do this show. And, and you know, because Irene's always been so cool to me. And that was that. And, and I'm glad the guy said, let's do it. And when I made the announcement, I was, I, I was beside myself. I was like, wow, my first show back, but it's really not all about me. Well, this has been amazing. This has been so great, great to chat with you. You know, thank I had you, one you. other question I wanted to yeah. ask you, and that Go is ahead. like, um, do you ever like spend time listening to classical music or have you ever yes. studied any, any classical music? That's cool. It's, it's funny you asked this because yeah. I had a guitar student ask me today. Mm -hmm. Do you like classical music? And I said, I do. Uh, I can't play it per se, but uh, it's a lifetime said, of study. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, because of Ving Vang Malmsteen, I got into Paganini. You know, that's the truth. But I, I love Vivaldi and, and uh, I, I love Rachmaninoff. Nice. You know, and Mastinated uh, Meditation. That, that's awesome. But as far as classical music, much like jazz, I have to really be in the mood for it. Yes. You know, if I if I have a day where I'm like, okay, I don't want to hear metal, I'll pop on rock. I don't know if I'll mm -hmm. pop on you know John Coltrane, but I need that balance. I can't just listen to one thing. It's like eating the same cereal for a year. Same. And yeah, yeah, very. But, cool. I mean, I love my cocoa pebbles. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Sometimes you, know, you need so it. often I gotta have frosted flakes. But I love analogies. But but yeah, I mean, I, I did classical music. I do. You know, some of it's in my guitar riffs but that's that's because of guys like Ingve and tony mcalpine you know so mm, very cool and it's such a meditative um practice to to practice guitar yeah. or an instrument and just like get into it like i was actually coming back to that you know um just actually sitting and practicing you know just for the yeah. sake of just 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 to do it exactly for no other reason really yeah, I, I catch myself pulling out old jazz charts. Going, Do I remember how to play this? No. Okay. I'm having fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just read through it, you know, and check it yeah. out. Well, Steve, it was great to meet you Thank and you talk with here. you this today. Awesome. Um, I hope to catch a, a show soon and maybe we can jam sometime. This has been so oh, great. Yeah, man. Thanks yeah, so much. Yeah.
Yeah.